Hello, Don. Oh, your video's on. Are we doing video? I'm going to turn that's, my... That's what, that's what our famous, our favorite uh, other podcast is doing now, apparently. I know. It's it's weird. It's a little bit... It's it's a little bit weird. I've been talking to you um, uh, on FaceTime, so we've seen each other a bunch of times um, yeah, recently. Yeah, we have. I wanted to see what you were wearing. I'm wearing, I'm wearing what I told, told you I'm wearing all the time, which is... <laughs> A baseball hat. Uh, this is uh, the Toronto Raptors, uh, world, uh-huh. world champions. That's a, that's a, that's a um, uh, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, Here we go. Ice, ice, team, ice uh, skating team. No thing? ice. No, no, no. Basketball. Uh, this is basketball. It's in the picture. Basketball. Yep. Yep. They have basketball in Canada. I didn't think they did. Uh, uh, Canadians invented basketball. That's what we're known it's for. A, it's in the Constitution. You can't. You can't only play the hockey game. No, no, no. Was uh, what's his name? The uh, James uh, James Naismith. You know him. He's the guy who. Uh, Earl Jones. Yeah, James. Yeah, from uh, from Darth Vader. Uh, he James Naismith uh, in, is from. Oh, I, thinking of Michael Nesmith from the from the monkeys. <laughs> You're on fire this morning. Nice, nice, right? Give you a coffee, give you a bathroom stop, man. Oh, my gosh. So uh, Canadian-American physical educator um, from, I believe he's from Almont, Ontario, which is in the uh, Ottawa Valley. Um, he was a Christ- Christian, Kristen, Christian chaplain, sports coach, and innovator. Uh, the same year he left Canada for Springfield, Massachusetts, he invented the game of basketball. No. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, with the made up. No. You, no. Next you're gonna tell me. Next you're gonna tell me we 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 didn't lose the war of eighteen twelve. <laughs> we can't start there today. No. No. Uh, I just want to remind you that we uh, we did burn down the White House once, and we'll do it again. <laughs> and goddamn, you'll do it again. <laughs> we've got we've got fire. We've got we're ready. We're ready to go. Lots uh, yeah, of wood up there in Canada. Oh, so yeah. I you can make fire. Cur- Courier de Bois, which is, uh, I think that's uh, Runners of the Wood. Um, <laughs> Courier. Oh, I'm, I'm way into things today. Uh, Courier de Bois is what this is. All these things I've learned, I learned in, um, uh, in, in eighth grade history or grade eight, as it's known. Uh, Courier de Bois or Courier de Bois was an independent entrepreneurial French Canadian trader who traveled in North France in the interior of North America, usually to trade with First Nations pe- peoples by exchanging uh, various European items for furs. Uh, but it means a woodsman or a trader in uh, oh, French. Oh, uh, it's order. not an actual person. It's not like Mr. Dubois. It's, it's like uh, Neil, Neil Dubois, Gordy <laughs> Dubois. Neil, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's from uh, Cordy Dubois. From uh, he's from Barry. He's uh, from Barry, Ontario. It's uh, that, uh, thinking of Neil Dubois Tyson. Neil Dubois Tyson. Yeah, he's. The, I know that guy from the. Uh, uh, he does that. I, I think he's a problematic. That guy. Um, oh, I talked to somebody. I'm laughing so hard, my glasses are fogged up. <laughs> well, if you were wearing a cloth face covering, it, they would also be. Uh, they would fogged. also be fogged. Yeah, I talked to someone. Oh, okay. So I mentioned uh, this to you while we were uh, talking on a, on a, on a call or, or something, but I, um, so, so, you know, this, we'll, we'll, we'll release this one in, in somewhat real time. So people will know. Um, but uh, in COVID-19 times, I have a, I have a family member who's from Ontario who works for a major food service um, sales company, like the type of food service sales that they, he would, uh, 
purchase food from like distributors and then sell it to grocery. No, well, no retail chains mainly, like restaurant restaurant chains. So anyway, um, he called me. I'm, I'm going to turn off my video because I can tell it's making you uncomfortable. I just don't look at you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm turning mine off too. Uh, okay, much better, way better. I just I have a picture of you with your fingers up uh, in air quotes. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so uh, so anyway, my 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 cousin, um, he uh, he called me about some mask uh, stuff. He wanted to know about and you know any information I had on masks last week. But I had a, a full. I haven't talked to to him in in a few years, like multiple oh, wow. years. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we're friends on Facebook, so you you're kinda, not, you're not estranged or anything. No, no, just, you know, it's like, uh, how often do you talk to your cousins? <laughs> no. I, I actually don't have any cousins. What? Whoa. Hey, put a pin in that. Yeah. Like, okay. 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 Sure. Um, so, uh, and this isn't really my first cousin either. This is my dad's first cousin, but I would refer to him as my cousin. Uh, anyway, he, uh, we, we had like a 25 minute conversation. <laughs> is that like a funny uncle? <laughs> it is. He's kind of like a funny uncle. Yeah. Um, but we had this 25 minute conversation and, uh, I realize when I talk with people from, from Canada that still live in Canada or have a, a really thick Canadian accent that I <laughs> almost immediately slip back you, into. You slip back in. Yeah. What are they, what are they called? Code switching. They call it. I code switch. But, but what's crazy is that it's not an accent that I had when I lived there. Like, like I'm, I, I over, I exist exaggerate it because it's so oh, wow. like audible in my in my in my ears like i i, I hear it and i'm and I, I go full letter kenny uh oh. and so so anyway he uh so he and i talked um and uh that's you know his his name is not is not gordy um but uh, <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute but but his two cousins are right? but his two cousins are yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but it's it's funny like he's he's a guy who and I don't want to out him for for you know offset reasons but we we are kind of in adjacent worlds because he's worked for this food service company for like 30 years my entire like adult life that I've that I've known him and he is he's exactly so my dad is 30 years older than I am and um, this cousin is 15 years younger than my dad and 15 years older than I am. So he's like kind of right, wow. you, inter right in the middle. Yeah. 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 Intergenerational. Um, I, when I was in high school, I played uh, slow pitch baseball with him. Like he's, you know, he had a team and needed, um, some, some extra players. So I, we, we, we hung out a lot when I was right in, in like high, late high school and college. Um, so yeah, he's kind of like the fun, the funny uncle who's, who's close to my generation or much closer than, than my, than my dad. But we've never like in our entire lives we've never talked about food safety or food service and we're right adjacent to each other so we right, had this right, right. like very like you know i don't know it was weird it was weird to turn off like family stuff and just talk about things professionally that we both do um yeah and, and it was like you know we we caught up for, and talked for 25 minutes and i gave him some answers of things that he was looking for and he's like great thanks that was that's what i needed um and and it was i've never there's there's sort of no one else in my like I, I try to stay out of food safety things in my family or close acquaintances or Danny's family. Like we just don't talk. I don't know. Well, here, yeah. here's the thing. If they come to you for advice, right. you're there to give advice. You're not there to food safety police their lives. Exactly. Right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, and it makes it even more, you know, the, the amount of time that we spend together 
is is small anyway because we live in the U.S. and we hang out for a couple of weeks a year, um, usually in Canada when they visit, and and we're we're constantly like sort of talking about family things. But I don't want to I don't know I don't want to spend time talking about the food safety things that I do um, right. so much. So yeah. So all right. So you don't. So, so let's go back. You, hopefully, there's not a, a tragic story here that <laughs> that you want to that you're not going to tell. But you don't have any cousins at all. Like what, so. So here's yeah. here here's the thing. My mother was an only child. Ah. Okay. Yep. So step one, right? My dad <clears throat> was essentially an older and only child. So he has three half brothers that have the same father and a different mother who passed away. Right. And so, so, and his mom and his dad only had him. So oh. I guess theoretically I've got some sort of cousin relationship to my father's brother's families, but we, we were never like that super close with him, them, because he was, he was significantly younger than his, than his brothers, his half brothers. So I sort of know their names, but not like Um, you never, but we never out with them. Wow. Right. Yeah. Or at least not in in my in my in my, you know, memory. So I, I, I only have two true first cousins. Um, my, my dad's also an only child and my mom has, uh, an older brother, um, just by like five years. And, and he, uh, went to college in, uh, Nova Scotia on, in the Eastern, in the Maritimes, the Eastern, Eastern part of Canada. Um, oh, he probably knows ba- Dave Bacon Schaffner then. <laughs> he probably does know David Bacon Schaffner. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he used to work for, he's retired now. Um, he used to work for, um, like Nova Scotia parks and recreation, uh, and, and almost everybody who I run into who is in Nova Scotia has like, has some weird connection to him. Um, so he probably does know David Bacon Schaffner. Uh, um, <laughs> it's a pretty small, it's a pretty small province. It is. It is. Uh, so he, uh, anyway, so I, and he had, uh, two kids who are like one who's older than I am and one who's younger than I am. And, and every summer we would spend, um, we would most like not every summer, but I mean, probably eight summers growing up. We, my family drove down to Nova Scotia, um, and we'd spend a week in Prince Edward Island and, uh, and then, um, usually a week or a week and a half in Halifax. And so those are my like two closest cousins, but I really only saw them a couple times a year. And then one of them now lives in Vancouver and the other one still lives in Nova Scotia. And we will like see each other on Facebook, but don't have like a lot of, um, you know, we, we, we're, we interact on Facebook. Um, but my dad had three, this is fascinating for our listeners. Um, uh, but it's, it's good. It's good background for, uh, it's uh, world world building, uh, as it's called. Um, my dad had, uh, two, um, or three, sorry, first cousins actually is a lot, but one, but most of them live in, um, in the Netherlands. Cause my grandmother oh, wow. is Dutch. Yeah. Oh. Um, or was Dutch. Uh, but uh, so he has these three first cousins that grew up in Toronto that he was really, really close with. And then that's one. Yeah. One of them is this food service guy. Um, and then uh, they all have kids. And actually the two like the two closest kids that I would have grown up with as my quote cousins were actually my third cousins. Um, and we just happened to physically live like or geographically live close to each other. So we would um, spend lots of time like, you know, most holidays, uh, together, but that was my dad's cut. Like that was his, his big sort of family, um, connection. So it's, yeah. So it's weird. And then I like Danny's got, I don't know. I think she has like six aunts and uncles on both sides of her family and like 50 first cousins total. 
Um, and so it's like a whole different world of like, she, I don't think she knows all of her cousin's names. They, don't worry. They don't listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and it's actually very similar to, to my situation. Cause Kristen is from a family of four kids and, uh, they are also like her mom and her dad are from families with lots of kids. And so, yeah, there's like tons of cousins who, all of whom, whose names I've had to learn and mostly remember. So, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's weird. Families, family's weird. Uh, anyway, so, so, Hey, speaking of speaking of uh, speak people who speak Dutch. Oh yeah. Um, we've been we've been watching. Uh, we watched one episode of this uh, this new TV show that is uh, set in uh, Belgium, uh, in the Dutch speaking part of Belgium. Uh, and so I just want to you know in in the speaking of world building, um, the the latest thing uh, that, that we're watching here at the Schaffner household is a show called Professor T, Perfect. and it's it's a guy who he's sort of it's like. A, <clears throat> I guess imagine monk, except n not funny. Um, he's he's a he's a a, 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 a professor who is uh, OCD who helps the police to solve crimes. Um, and it's it's and it's one of those where you have to kind of pay attention because it's in Dutch, um, so you have to read the subtitles. But it's uh, we we watched the first episode and it's pretty good. Oh, cool. Um, and where where are you where are you watching this uh, thing? On the television. No, but where what what television uh, service are you using for this I, one? Ben, one of them. It's, I, on, it's I, on one of them. I don't know, Ben. <laughs> the, the television. <laughs> I turn to my wife. I say, what are we going to watch? She says, how about this? And I said, that's great. Perfect. And then I, I only actually, no, I, <laughs> Kristen says, she's texting me. Uh, she says, tell him that we watched it on PBS. Oh, so. perfect. Good. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Only, I just don't have to keep track of like which remote. Am I using the Apple remote or am I using the TiVo remote? And that, that's uh, beyond that. I really don't know. But this and I, I know for sure this one was the TiVo remote, which which squares with uh, PBS. PBS. So, yep. Yeah. Good. Cool. I will. I'll check. I'll, I'll, I I might check that out. I don't know. We're we're still. No, uh, I, yeah. Um, and another another thing that we've been watching, which we had to stop watching, um, is a show, um, which is again a show with people with accents, which is wonderful. Is a show called Blood, um, which we watched the first season, and it's kind of a train wreck. And 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 Kristen confessed to me last night that she couldn't make it through the second season. It's just these people, and their lives are a mess, and uh, they just have. It's just it's just. But it but and there's and there's murder, but you don't really know who did it. Um, and anyway, it was kind of it was full of twists and turns, but but it's a little it's a little intense and and a little uh, yeah. And the people are not the problem is the people are not likable, man. This is a common problem. I, the I people understand. Like, I think Danny's watched Blood. This is her, oh, okay. Yeah, this is her. You know, she likes the she likes the murders, right? She she she's all about yeah. my favorite murder and and all those things. So yeah, I'm pretty sure she has watched this. This is these are things that. Um, that I walk in sometimes and, and it's on Netflix <laughs> huh? and yeah, I'm like, what's, yep. what is this all about? Um, we, uh, what was the, okay. So, so I, I mentioned this, I think in the last episode, but it's can, canonically the last episode, but not, uh, in episode numbers because we, uh, we're catching up on, on old ones, but we, we're rewatching the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, oh, excellent. Yeah. So, so we're, we're in, we're, I think it's movie number nine we've completed and, it's the, so I would I you know be, because we have like no lacrosse and and other things to go go through I've really enjoyed this there are parts of these movies that I've forgotten where I just wasn't paying attention mm -hmm. um, and now I'm like going back and reading what critics said so I we watched the last two nights we've watched Iron Man three and Thor the Dark World which are 
thought like at least you know people on the internet who are always right um they they say that those are the two worst movies in the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> okay i disagree i actually think they're pretty good like they're they're not they're not terrible movies they're 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 not like um it, it's not a rewatchable movie that i would watch them you know 40 times but doing it in order and getting to this far and in, mm. into the thing it's like oh you know what that was an enjoyable like mindless explosion funny one-liners i i thought that was pretty good so so anyway we're all we're all well, and I, I just that. i mean i i love i love robert downey jr <sighs> jr generally and and he's he's just perfect casting in iron man as far as i'm concerned and i i don't think and i i just i have i i'm not even sure i could tell you that these movies even existed much less that i watched them um so i'm pretty sure i didn't watch them but Kristen might have watched them on a plane at some point hey so so speaking of uh, mcu what about um what about the dc comics universe do you ever watch any of those so we don't um jack really liked uh something that was on netflix i think um that was it's like uh you know it's like the avengers but not justice league but it's a dc a bunch of superheroes that get together um, to show, and I'll see if I can find it. Someone, someone who's follow, who's listening is like screaming at their at their iPad. Um, but or are they screaming horse? Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, there's they are. Have you watched this? He he really liked this. No. Okay. Oh, and now it's. Oh, in I my, think I've heard about. It. Um. Now, no, come on, Netflix, stop yelling at me. Ah, there we go. Um, yeah, so no, we really haven't watched any of the DC stuff we've been, I mean, as a family, uh, we're, Mm -hmm. we're all, we're all Marvel. And Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this a while ago, Sam has gotten really into, um, comics. There's a great Marvel app that, um, that we subscribe to. He just goes through like, it's so, so, but that's his thing. It's Marvel limited or whatever. Yeah. Marvel limited. Yeah. That's his, he loves that Marvel universe. Like he likes the writing. He likes everything about it and he hasn't gotten into, to DC. So that's really driven us towards the Marvel movies. Um, one other thing. and, And so something that we've, we've learned, you know, we, we spent a lot of time going to the library and picking up I say we, the family picks up physical books. I have not, I don't read a lot of physical books, but I use our library um, digital downloads all the time, like our Wake County Public Library. Um, And so since libraries have been closed, um, I've now all, everybody is using their iPads to read, um, you know, stuff. And so there's like some really great, like, um, audible books or, you know, the list, you know, listen, tapes, books on tape, whatever, whatever the new, uh, uh newfangled uh, word is for that. But, um, what, something that we discovered that we never even had looked at is, is there is all of these graphic novels that aren't on Marvel unlimited that are in our, um, oh. in our library. And so Sam's been like, mm-hmm. pl- like plowing through those over the last couple of weeks. Um, cool. which is, yeah, I never, I like, I guess I'd, I stupidly, I'd never thought, Hey, we should look on, on our library website to see if they have graphic novels. I thought yeah. they just had Malcolm Gladwell books, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, which I've, I have been reading the most recent one and it's, it, it now, it's hard to read them now without hearing his voice. And then all of the people that I listen to on podcast yeah. combined yeah. them. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Turns uh, out. You, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So anyway, we're 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 fully into like iPads and and uh, and books uh, now, and and li- like and listening to a lot of books. Like the kids are are really into that. Um, so that's kind of cool. And they're now, um, 
as of, you know, the because OPSEC doesn't matter because if you want to come to my house, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but uh, it's today's April 15th. And uh, both of my kids. Are your taxes done? Yeah, my taxes are done. I got, I got, a, I got a Joe Exotic stimulus check. All of that's come through. <laughs> uh so, but my, both kids are now completed their like extended spring breaks. Um, and so they're now all pretty much like all morning doing school. Um, Sam's doing online like zoom classes and that's been, I think really good for him. I think he's enjoyed it. Um, and then Jack has like a bunch of asynchronous stuff that, that he's working through, but that's like. You know, now we're in a now we're in a full out like home routine where I'm doing work, Danny's doing some stuff, both kids are like on their computers in in our dining room that's now um now their classroom and um and but but it's I mean it's taken it's really taken six weeks for us to fully get into this because Jack Jack's count like his school, because our county is so large and we have lots of economic disparity. Um, they didn't want to start any online classes until they could get like Chromebooks to like 15,000 yeah, kids. All the kids didn't need them. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's, and then hotspots. I mean, it's been such a, like yep. a great process, not, I mean, not great process, but, but just seeing the amount of people that are contributing and, and um, local companies that are like, Hey, how can we, how can we get you some technology? What do you need um, for, for kids to keep learning? So anyway, that all fell into, into place on Monday. And so now we're in, I think a bit of a, like a, a bit more of a routine. Um, than, so, than we were. so, so I have, I have a, a question, a comment, and then two more media related things. And then, and then let's get to food safety. So, okay, okay. so the, well, so that the, the, the question is, you said your kids have been doing schoolwork all morning, but I want you to go back onto your uh, information phone and I want you to read me what you texted <laughs> me at 9.33 a.m. Yeah, yeah, kids are not on. And then, and then square that for me, please. Yeah, yeah. So so at 9.30, 9.33, I said, um, uh, where where is it here? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Cookie. Uh, kids are still sleeping, so no one's stopped, stopping to talk to me. Yes, or stopping me to talk. So they started start at 945 uh, <laughs> uh so so your kids are in school all morning starting from 945 yeah. and they sleep until 915 or 930 yep yep yeah uh because yeah. that's how I'm I roll uh, <laughs> uh and also I think I shared with you my new norm is I'm really trying to schedule like talking to you is is different I'm trying to schedule stuff that like that I have to um I don't know like things that are not not pleasurable. Like if I need to do a meeting, <laughs> I am not doing that before 11. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, but, but my, my day's expanding a little bit. So I'll, I'll like hang out around my computer from about 11. Well, really like it's starting much earlier, but I just want to read news and I want to catch up on emails that I haven't done, but I don't want to talk to anybody usually until about 11. And then I like ease into my day. I've, I, I have, um, I, you know, I, I mentioned this over, over text. And I think we've talked about this in, in another episode, but I, I really, as I get older, there are certain times where I just can't, like, I have all this anxiety of getting out of bed because of the things that I have to do that mm. a, a switch gets thrown as soon as I drink like two or three espresso shots, but actually getting to those espresso shots is the, like, is, is anxiety inducing. So, so now I've, I've just found a way to deal with this, which is I just sleep until I wake up. I don't, we don't set an alarm. Um, we haven't slept through a nine 45 start time for school yet. Um, I'll, you know, I wake up, I make some coffee. I, I really do ease into my day and I found that much more 
civilized or like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling any pressure. And then I'll just like hang out in front of my computer until about five 30 or six and, 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 you know, and take you know, breaks to walk the dog. But, but it's not, I don't know. It, the, I, I'm feeling, I'm feeling way more, um, I don't know, anxious, way, no, way less anxious, way, way more like, oh, I can, I can tackle this. Like, this isn't going to be too much of a, of a problem, but coffee certainly helps with that. Yeah. So, so my, my routine, I think is largely unchanged, um, going to bed at the usual time, waking up at the usual time, um, just because the dogs need to be walked and, you know, stuff just needs to happen. So I, yeah, I have, I haven't, I haven't experienced that, although I have to say my uh, I had an interesting experience. My day was extended uh, yesterday because I had the opportunity to do uh, to be a guest on NPR's The National Conversation. Have you heard about this show? No, no. It's it's Tell a it. uh, it's a lot. It's it's a it's a uh, new live call in show from nine to 10 p.m. Eastern on weekday evenings. And and it's all about coronavirus. Huh. Now, it says it's a live call in show. I'm, I'm going to let you in on <laughs> behind the curtain. If it's a live call-in show, how come they could send me an email at 6, at 6 p.m. telling me the questions that Scott Simon was going to play for me, right? So it's not – I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a simulated live call-in show. I mean, I was live and Scott, Scott Simon was live and uh, Marina Godoy was live, but the callers weren't live. Uh, they were from another day. So, But anyway, it, it, was, it, was, still, it was a lot of fun to do, and it, but it was weird because I had to like, okay, I need to – I like not fall asleep on the couch like I usually do <laughs> because I got to be awake at nine thirty and and talk on the on the radio. But uh, yeah, it was fun. So that's that's cool. I so I, I my days have really extended on the on the late end. Like I'm I'm watching. I mean, I went to bed at like one o'clock or something, one thirty last Oof. night. Yeah, and and mm. it was so at midnight. I was like, hey, let's just watch another episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. And Danny and I are like, okay, what? Like, the, that's fine. I mean, the, and I think that not having the pressure of trying to get a kid up and get them dressed and get it. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, all yeah, that, totally. Right? So, totally. so, so it's like, okay, so I'm going to bed at one thirty after watching watching Curb Your Enthusiasm and then rewatching Thirty Rock, which is where what I'm still doing. Um, and then, uh, then I wake up like naturally by the call of the birds and the sun coming in through the through the window. I like. 8:30, and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm good with this. This is I, I could I, I really could um, continue on on the schedule. Clearly, that's not the way that the world will work. At, at some point, um, there will be you know different different schedules. I I am like the more that I'm reading um, in the last couple of days, I I do I, I w- it would not surprise me if we don't if we don't have campus classes until the like 2021. That yeah. that would not not surprise me at all, and I you know I think that this really forced situation has has put you know you and I don't don't instruct courses, um, you know we we serve as guest lecturers and in you know in lots of lots of situations, and I think that's a totally different world that I'm happy to continue doing and not creating papers. Oh, please, <laughs> yes, please. Uh, but but I think that like our colleagues who are adapting to this, you know, they're kind of forced into it. But if if you sort of say, okay, we're going to give you a couple of months, you're going to reconstruct your course online, and we're going to do this uh, again in the fall, I, I think that they're, that people will be okay with that. Like, and, and it's, it clearly doesn't, um, in, for certain instructors and for certain topics, doesn't really lend itself to the best learning environment, but I, I, it would not surprise me at all as if um, uh, people adapt and do a, a really good job at, 
at instruction. Um, and it's hard. Like that's, that's the thing that, that I don't think people who, unless you're like, you know, we, we've done webinars and, and these lectures where it's like, okay, I can talk to my computer screen, um, you know, looking at the light where the camera is, looking at my slides, do that for, for 45 minutes. That's totally different than trying to get a class discussion engagement um, where I, you know, I, I feel like what, what, when I'm talking for 45 minutes, it's different than what I would do in front of an audience because you don't have that feedback of body language or laughs or anything like that. But it's not, I don't think it's as hard as trying to construct an entire class around it. Um, well, and, and I'm on the, on the one hand, I am so grateful that I have the job that I have. Um, and, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I love talking to the media. Uh, I love doing extension research. I love working with people in the food industry, but if I was, you know, uh, taken back in time or, or, or suddenly told, okay, you now have a resident instruction job, you have to teach these courses and you have to do them all online. Um, I, I think that it's, it's different. And it's maybe hard at first because you're not used to it. But you know what? I I, I really think this is you know, and, and this is this would be a good a good topic for conversation. I think that well, what what is the pandemic doing? Well, it's it's pushing. It's going to push us to do things more that were happening already, like this move to online instruction. I've been sort of cajoling and 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 uh, nudging my my graduate colleagues because I'm graduate program director to like okay guys you know this digital online instruction is coming we need to be on that boat we need to figure out what the plan is and they're like yeah well no I don't I don't think I want to do that <laughs> right right um and I'm like okay that's fine you know I'm 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 fine here I'm gonna be doing my extension work I've been doing webinars for a long time um you know I have a regular uh, uh bi-weekly uh, radio show otherwise known as a podcast where I reach out to the world and I engage in that way. So I'm already moving to where, you know, to like, as, uh, as I think, uh, the great, um, Gordowney said, uh, skating to where the puck will be. I think I got that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, totally. That's right. yeah. 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 I think you're thinking of, uh, Gordy Curry or Dubois. Yeah. Gordy Dubois. <laughs> nice. Um, but you know, I mean like, and, and same thing with, with like the food industry, right. And yep. the, um, um, third-party delivery services and, and online food ordering. Now, now we need to come back and say, well, this probably, you know, the pandemic is pushing us that direction. But unfortunately, it also seems to be breaking the food supply in certain ways that are are potentially very problematic. Right? With, uh, we should probably talk about what's happening with the meat. Yep. And I mean, I saw a very interesting email. I know you did too. Basically, talking about how. Um, you know, we have um, uh, people demanding meat at the grocery stores. We have farmers raising meat, but that piece that connects them, the slaughterhouse, um, like those are, and there's some big, big news articles about this, about slaughterhouses closing down uh, because of COVID-19 infecting the workers so that they can't work anymore. And again, we can, and this will maybe we'll just briefly segue back to democratic socialism <laughs> because the two points I wanted to make before was when we were talking about movies is I, I re, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Chapo Trap House and they, they're trying to figure out what to do since since Bernie dropped out of the race. But they uh, just finished doing uh, a three-movie watch-along of the, the the three Star Wars prequels, <laughs> which <laughs> which are, are are pretty terrible. But I, I love I love their commentary on it. But they also that reminded me when we were talking about Marvel movies. Um, uh, they had watched this wasn't a watch-along, but they had gone to the movie theaters to watch Aquaman, which apparently is a is a just a brilliantly bad movie. Um, and they and they loved it. And they and they talked about it on on an episode of, of Chapo. So yeah, so I think that catches me up to speed with all of my open tabs and and 
nice. briefly dips us back into food safety. Well, <clears throat> yeah. So let's let's talk about this. Uh, uh, I guess food supply, food safety, uh, COVID nineteen um, impacts because I think a lot of stuff has has really like uh, come up in the last few days. Um, at least like questions and the things that, that people are asking about. And, and yeah, I think for, for me going back like five or six weeks ago, um, one of the things that, that, you know, and I, I know, I guess a little bit about supply chain stuff, like just based on where we ended up getting questions about, you know, produce and, and working with warehousing and distribution centers, but, but like, Five or six weeks ago, you know, the the whole demand for for meat and people not being able to get it. My first trip to the grocery store um, after we were in shelter in place was like it, it was a wait. Like I, I had to scrounge, not scrounge, but I got there at like you know ten o'clock in the morning, and all there was was like frozen chicken um like tenderloins that was like that's all we we ate for like three days, um, and it wasn't that that the the meat wasn't wasn't available it was that there were some interruptions in in transport and people were getting up early and getting all of it and all that kind of stuff but at that point what i was really like thinking about was what i guess what we're starting to see now and not that i was some sort of uh, a sage or, or predictor but but my my issue around food has been well what happens when an entire restaurant staff goes under right like well that restaurant's gonna right. have to close well what happens when um a trucking company has uh, you know or whoever's doing distribution ha- has an outbreak within their workforce well all of a sudden that's gonna slow down how quickly we get things um and and what you know what you alluded to is is really um this you know first kind of um, uh, you know, situation. We've got Smithfield Foods closing their Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota plant because there's three, you know, 300 il- uh, um, illnesses there. And there was, um, let me find the article that I read yesterday on this. Um, and this, this comes back to like, uh, as, as we try to think about how do we manage COVID-19 in the food system? And we're, we're talking a lot about, um, uh, you know, uh, employee health and, and other things. And, and that, you know, the, how we are, how we're, how we're focusing on keeping like people safe in those systems. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the food industry is always dealing with employee health, um, things. And so they, they should be able to, to manage this. And in fact, I'm going to, I mentioned South Dakota, but in fact, the article that I read about was not in South Dakota, it's from Denver. Um, and it was, uh, about a, the, a, a JBS plant in, um, Greeley, Colorado. And in this situation, they had 43 confirmed cases, but, but the part that, that I want to highlight in the, in the quote here is 32 employees went to work while sick health officials said in letters with patients telling medical staff of a company culture, which even supervisors and managers came to work while ill, that's going to kill the food industry. Like that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's a. That's a bad culture, right? Yeah. That's it's not, and we're not we're not talking food safety culture, but health culture. That's a bad culture, right? That you, that shouldn't be. That's going to be like so. If we if we think about things that are going to go, that really might impact food distribution, it's that kind of stuff, right? It's it's for the, sure. Yeah, and and that's the. Um, you know the reopening of of what the country and all the sort of BS that that follows that that whole discussion. The part that 
that is frustrating, I think, from from my standpoint as someone who's you know adjacent and close to the public health world here, is that those decisions that happen today are going to have ramifications two and three weeks and four weeks from now, including like more food plants closing. And that's going to, that's going to lead to societal issues, right? Like that's the, that's, sure. that's the problem. Um, but, but, but here's the thing, like I really, this is really, I mean, I guess it doesn't surprise me because of human nature, but based on the conversations I was having with everybody in the food industry, my colleagues, it sounded like people were concerned about this, but they were doing the right thing. Right. right. But, but obviously this is, this is not the case. Well, and, and yeah. And so, so here's like, th- this is a, uh, a food safety culture thing, right? Or, or, or similar to it, which is the people that we talk to, the folks that, that we know really well, who are direct, you know, driving food safety and, and health and safety culture, um, may not always have their, uh, have the power down at the frontline staff in Greeley, um, you know, at JBS in Greeley, Colorado. Right. 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 And, and it's like, well, we have all the best processes, and we're trying to deal with this. And, and I've talked to a couple of folks in the food service industry. This isn't just processing, but where they talk about um, some of their biggest challenges come from franchisees, right? So it's like, yeah, oh, you, huge. You, yeah. right? Like you're in the system, you are part of brand A, but you really don't work for them. You're an independent. Uh, you know, business that conforms to a lot of the standards. So we make the same things all throughout the, the world, but you, we don't have a lot of, co- we don't own, you don't, we don't, you don't work for us. So we don't have a lot of control over exactly how you do this. And that's, and that's a problem. Like that, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing in the food manufacturing world, you have um, co-packers, right? So in other words, like you're, we're company X whose brand you recognize your company Z that nobody knows, but you're going to make our product for us um, according to these specifications. But you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, I mean the 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 this this whole pandemic is exposing cracks in in the food supply and in, in well and in, in so many things that we we kind of knew were there, but it's really bringing them into sharp relief. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a really good point where it's we knew we were there. We I don't think we knew how close to running over we were. Right, like like you, how how everything was really a little bit tenuous. It was all working out. And, and we had built a way to make sure that food and, 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 you know, essential things were getting to people, but, but, it, you know, just, I mean, truthfully, the first disruptions, and we go back to the, to the toilet paper discussion, just the first disruptions of changing the supply chain and understanding how that works, it took like three days, right? Like it didn't take, it didn't take six weeks. We're seeing other ripples now, but, but stuff like that was just really, really surprising, like on how, I don't know. It, 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 how, maybe how quickly it, it, it you know it, it initially unraveled and, and how we're we're still reeling from that. I I, I worry that um, th- that there are folk like the the good people that we're talking that we talk to. You know, if we're if we put into good good guys and bad guys uh, um, in my uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of way, um, the the folks that we talk to who are managing and starting to ask questions about like when when things eventually reopen, what types of things are we going to have to change to make sure that we don't contribute to um, another uh, another situation in the fall or next year? Um, I I think that that we're trying to put a lot of that in order, but there's, that's only going to impact the 80% or 
you know, whatever magic number is, you know, it's like it's the, the 80, 20% um, rule, the 80% of people that are going to try and conform with it. And the 20% that are like, you know what, I don't care. This isn't a big deal. And it hasn't impacted me directly. They're the ones that are going to end up making problems for the rest of us. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so a couple, couple of points. So um, thinking about the food supply and, and thinking about uh, other aspects of that, like t this morning was recycling day and the recycling truck came by and I was having a conversation with Kristen about garbage. Right. It's like, well, you know, what about, what about sanitation workers? Right. Well, that's, yep. that's obviously that's so important, but also that's different, right? Because if you have a contract with a restaurant, well, you know what? Um, that restaurant probably isn't creating much garbage, right? But if you have a contract for, uh, and this is, this was her comment. It's like, well, I, well, our, our, our garbage men more busy than they usually are because we're all home and we're generating that waste at home. And, and that made me think about the food supply and the fact that restaurants have food, but they're not able to serve that food because there's no customers and the takeout business is less. And so I've heard about restaurants that are like repackaging uh, flour and things like that, that they have on hand so that that can go to, to people. Um, and then, and then the, the, your 80, 20 rule made me think of once again, um, the wire, which, uh, you know, and your comment about good people and bad people. And it's like, well, there's there's good people and bad people in every system, but ultimately it's the systems that make them bad, yep, right? Like absolutely. the systems that are dysfunctional. And so what are the, you know, and, and again, focusing on the bottom line and focusing on production, uh, you know, and not focusing on um, employee health and safety, you know, because I mean, it's like, it's like the, we had this conversation the other day. I had this conversation with somebody the other day, and I think you might have been on the call. It's like, well, what, what, uh, what value is food safety? If you do your job right, nothing happens, right? Yep. What, what value is pandemic preparedness? Because if you're, if you do your job right, nothing happens, right? How do, you, how do you put a dollar value on stopping bad stuff from happening, right? It just doesn't. Uh, it's, it's very uh, hard to. Uh, it's hard to. to to, to actually put that into an actual, you know, value. Right. Right. And it's, it, it's so like, it, it only matters when we're, when you're in it, when you're in the midst of an outbreak, right? Like, like the management and the, and the preparation, you can only look back and say, ah, oh, we should have done a better job at this. And this might change things going forward. But, but that it, you're, you're like a hundred percent. It's not, it, it, it didn't have the same kind of value four months ago or six months ago. And, and I, in, in society wise, right? Like I know we we're exchanging emails with lots of people that look, that work on, um, you know, intentional adulteration and, and food defense and food safety and, and planning for these things that are, that are always like worried about the worst thing. Um, but, but being able to get, the resources to get ready for it or manage it were, were, have always been hard because you're like, it's exactly what you're saying because there's an absence of an of a crisis. So it's like, yeah, whatever we don't, we, we, yes, this is important to be ready for, but we're not going to put our full resources in being as ready as we possibly could be because usually these things don't happen. And then when they do happen, it's catastrophic. I want to, I want right. to pit like, Pivot a little bit. Is that the right? Is that mm -hmm. the right corporate yep. term uh, for this? Is that what we do? In the, I think that's the a basketball term. I'm gonna pivot. I'm gonna. I'm gonna plant one of my feet, uh, and then move, spin around uh, looking for a backside pass. Um, uh, so, so this, you know, we're, we're talking about the the food industry side of things, and I think that there's a really interesting mm -hmm. situation coming up. I just saw, shot you a text that yep. you're that yep. you're humming uh, against, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, this is from the <laughs> uh, Post and Courier in uh, I think it's uh, Charleston, South Carolina. 
Carolina. Uh, headline is with eight, and this is from this morning, uh, with agency engaged in COVID-19 fight, DHEC, which is the div division or Department of Health and Environment and something in South Carolina, uh, calls off unannounced restaurant inspections. And so I got I got interviewed really briefly um, by the um, journalist Hannah Raskin on this, who I know from from Twitter, and she was like, "So what happens? Like like so you know what what happens if we just don't have restaurant inspections?" And 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 this is uh, <laughs> well, first not much, right? Yeah, see, <laughs> because they're getting inspected uh, once a year or twice a year at most, right? Anyway, right? Right? So well, and, so yeah. what happens is nothing for for six months. For a Maybe. while, yeah, and yeah, so for a that, while, yeah, that was that's exactly it, and it's it's kind of like, and I can't remember you answered a question at some point, uh, and, and it might have to do with, um, uh, it, just to make this analogous to COVID nineteen and uh, and virus infectivity on uh, on surfaces, you know, the the question of how long does it remain infective on a surface doesn't matter because it's a function of how much was there in the first place, right? And this is the same thing. It's not it, it's not like something happens you know right away it's how often were they being inspected before and that is different from location to location here in north carolina we if it's a high risk um uh, uh food premise that they should be uh getting inspected four times a year in other jurisdictions it's annually right so so it, mm -hmm. that matters right how how often but also and so my quote in this was there's no magic frequency of inspection and there are there's a little bit there's some nuance to that because there are um, some a couple of papers that show um, there there is like if you inspect more than four times a year it doesn't really matter and if you inspect less than twice a year it doesn't really matter like once you're it's somewhere in between two and four um, but hmm. but but and and again there's like tons of limitations and I can I'll find the the paper and we can include that in show notes um, but but. It, it things don't get like it's food, you know, and this is the thing that I'll keep saying. It's like, I don't think we're in a situation. I'll actually like legitimately read the quote. I don't think we're in a situation where food is less safe today than it was three or four weeks ago. But if we're looking at 30 or 40 mm -hmm. weeks, mm -hmm. I think we got to revisit it. Now we're in a situation where that there is a gap, but today right now, um, I, I don't, I don't think we're, you know, I, I think we have less restaurants. I think that the restaurants that are operating are largely doing, um, it, well, they're, they're all doing takeout or, or, um, or drive through. They may have limited their menus. All of those things could lead to differences in our, in our risk calculation, but really we're still only looking at three or four weeks and yes, inspections were happening, you know, every day in jurisdictions, but we haven't sort of gone out, in a um, in a situation where it was like, well, what if, that one inspector was on, um, you know, was was sick for for a couple of weeks, right? Like the, the like we're we're not past any of that yet. But but if yeah, like like you said, if we go um, five or six months down the road, um, you know, there there could be there could be some gaps. But inspections also just one of the things that happens, right? Like uh, the the people that that we talk to, the good the good actors out there, um, and the system that makes them bad, um, they're they're already trying to do food safety things because it's important for business. Um, right. And they're, and they're already planning for like, okay, what do we do when we start to have a significant number of workers compromised and what tools we've, we've had some great discussions, um, not on the podcast in, in the past couple of weeks about what tools do, uh, grocery stores and restaurants need to try to manage work, uh, worker, uh, health, right. And, and, and plan for these contingencies so that they can stay open and perform their, their essential functions. So, right. Yeah. Right. And, and the, the, the businesses that, 
are relying on inspection to tell them what they're doing wrong, that's a problem already, right? Like that's right, that right. that so so we've we've removed that. They're not hearing from their inspector um, and getting that you know you know oh tell me you know I'll fix it. Um, but but there there are other things that are still that are still happening. Really like and we haven't we've not talked about this, but but I but I think that a more pertinent question is let's remove all of the store visits by corporate folks. Let's remove all of the third party audits that exist. Let's remove the day-to-day um, checks that, that are coming from outside that aren't health inspections, that aren't regulatory inspections. And I think, I actually think those probably matter more um, to, you know, to the safety of, of what's being produced. And, and I, and again, I don't think we have a good answer of like, is three or four weeks enough, enough time. But if, if I've got like a a corporate system at a grocery store where I have someone visiting, um, my store once a month to make sure that I'm, you know, going through and doing an, uh, an internal audit of, um, you know, am I getting recalled foods off the, off the shelves and are people washing their hands and those people can't travel because of, of risks. I, I think that that's more, um, I don't know. That's more pertinent than than our um, than a than a three or four week gap in in local health inspections because those were more frequent already. Yeah. Well, and then and then you have to offset that with all the extra hand washing everybody's right. doing because everybody knows that that's going to make you safe, right? Right. 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 And <laughs> sorry, uh, yeah. sorry to make a joke out of that, but um, you know, uh, yeah. So hey, so speaking of recalls, so let's if we if, yes. you, if it's all right with you, let's segue to a very interesting discussion you and I had over text yesterday about what seems to be, and we'll just we'll just you know leave that out there as seems to be. Um, a significant dip, apparently, in the number of uh, USDA Food Safety Inspection Service recalls, uh, let's say, in the um, beginning part of this year, coincident with COVID-19. Yeah. So this is really interesting. So the, um, let me find the Washington Post um, article from, from yesterday. Um Sorry, I was not quite ready for that. But 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 there was like, if I remember correctly, there was kind of one line in this in this article. Long article, yeah. Yeah. So let me. So while you while you look for the article, let me let me lay things out. For okay. People. So what we're going to link to in show notes is we're going to link to a page called uh, Current Recalls and Alerts from USDA FSIS, and and that will show a page of. Uh, ongoing recalls, right? And if you look on that page, uh, you can see uh, there were two recalls announced in April. Um, There was one recall announced in February. Then there were about five recalls announced in January, and then it goes back into December of 2019. Now, what you can also do is you can scroll down on that same page and you can look at the time period, the same time period for 2019. And if you look at that page, it looks like, oh, it's, you know, we got one or two or maybe up to five recalls a month. And so it's not that unusual. But the problem is, is, and again, this is something we discussed um, on on, on, uh, text message yesterday, that's only the current recalls, right? And so you have to go somewhere else to look for recalls that 
have already been closed, right? And so if you go back and you look at recalls that have been initiated and then closed out for 2019, the level is much higher. And so depend again, this is this is all about denominators again, right? It, what it's not it's not what's well, not the number of recalls, it's the number of recalls over the expected number of recalls for that time period. And if you if you get the right denominator, it sure does look like um, there was uh, there was a dip there. And we'll link to both those pages. We'll link to both the current recalls and alerts, and we'll also link to the um, um, uh, the the closed recalls and alerts from the previous uh, calendar year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So, so thanks. That gave me time to find two a, a few things. One was this Washington Post article that we'll link to. That like like Don said, it's this sort of long article on um, food. Uh, availability. And so this was from um, uh, from yesterday, April 14th, the uh, uh, article uh, is by Laura Riley. Uh, the industry says we have enough food. Here's why some store shelves are empty anyway. Um, so it goes through some of the stuff that we had talked about before on just distribution. But in this in this article, there's this one like I don't know. Not throw it's like away. a throwaway line at the end of the article. I'm like, people are like, hey, you should read this. And I'm like, wait, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll read yeah. it. And then I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm reading. And then I get to the end. It's like, whoa, that was weird. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's the article. Or here's the line. Um, USDA and FDA have deregulated labeling and packaging for 60 days to allow food to be re redistributed, right? So good on changing the supply chain a little bit. And here's the, like, perk up your ears a little bit. While there are usually four or five USDA food recalls each month, there hasn't been a single one since the beginning of February, worrying food safety experts about the lack of oversight. And so where I think this, this line came from um, was another article, which I think I just had open and lost, from Civil Eats. Um, and so this is an article that I got um, – We'll, we'll also link to, I got interviewed yep. for, but I got cut, which is, which came out yesterday um, as well, which is totally fine. Um, and so this is a, I think an interesting read, critical food and farm rules have been mm -hmm. rolled back amid pandemic. Um, and it, it gets things a little bit messy and it's by uh, Goja um, uh, Wozniacki, uh, sorry, Wozniacka. Um, and uh, so, so there's like, it kind of confounds like USDA and FDA and um, who's doing what and farm inspections and, and manufacturing like, and I'm, you know, not, not it, that's, it's fine. It's good. It's, it, it highlights an interesting situation. And so they, they highlight um, some phenomenal quotes from our friend, Bill Marler. Um, there's, uh, you know, a discussion about how, um, Inspection suspensions come as the Trump administration installed Mindy Brashears, a bureaucrat whose research is funded. Like, <laughs> but but it's like a that's, throwaway. That's my that's my favorite line. That's my favorite paragraph of the whole article. Yeah, but it's one of these things where it doesn't really con connect to the FDA stuff. Anyway, like it just doesn't. That's a true statement. Right? True like, statement. Like the Trump yeah. administration did um, install our our friend and colleague Mindy Brashears um, uh, to be a bureaucrat. And yes, when she was at the university, she was funded by National Cattlemen's Association and National Pork Board because and, and also calls her the nation's top food safety official. I think Frank Giannis would probably arm wrestle her for that <laughs> title um, and probably lose because <laughs> Mindy's a farm girl. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I mean, and Frank's a city boy, I think. <laughs> um, but um, but but here's the thing. Like, of course, I mean, she was a good academic. Re I mean, she was an academic researcher. Yeah. <laughs> 
good or not anyway. Yeah. And not to say bad things about Minnie, but she's she's an academic researcher. So of course she got money from right. it. And she and she's working in she's in Texas, a state that where meat is very important. Of course she's getting money from these associations. I mean, it's it, that's what you do if you're an academic and you and you do research, you write grants and you get funding. It's not anyway. So yeah. I mean, and the, yeah, there you could you can quibble with 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 her and her record but but that's but again and this is written for it's written by someone who doesn't understand exactly what we do and it's written for someone who doesn't understand exactly what we do so yeah. right 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 and and but i think that that's probably where this where this comes from because they talk a little bit further down about um you know outbreaks and recalls and 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 it's and you know barb uh, bill marler oh, quoted and yeah. And really, yeah. really, really good quotes from Barb Kowalczyk, yeah. right? Who is who is our legit friend and colleague at Ohio State University, um, and 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 Barb really nails the nuance on this. So it, it's a good article in that they decided to talk to Barb. Yeah, yeah. well, and and, <laughs> and actually, they, they, they did quote you, but you know, hey, well, it's no, okay. it's it's okay because I think I didn't do as good of a job. Like I gave the same quote that I gave to the you know um, Hannah Raskin in the Post and Courier, where Barb was so much better on like, and I'll I'll read her quote here on the surface, stopping these inspections won't make a big impact. But when you look at the system as a whole, there's a lot of disruption. Several of the hurdles in the food safety system are being impacted by the pandemic. Absolutely. Yep. Like that's, it's so good. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's, so, so that led to, um, you know, someone else who's, who's researching this to call, to email both of us to talk about like, are there less recalls? And, and I'll, you know, uh, my my initial response was, I, you know, I always get concerned, not concerned. I always get my back up when I read a line that says, um, I'll reread this from the Washington Post. Um, uh, there hasn't been a single one since the beginning of February. Worrying food safety experts about the lack of oversight. I wasn't worried about the lack of over oversight, right? Like, so worrying some food safety experts, I guess, um, about it. And so my, my initial response, someone asked and said, okay, so are there less recalls? And I was like, well, let me go. Let me go do the same thing that I think you did, but you did a better job than I did, which was, <laughs> let me see. No, no, it's, it's true. Like, it's, this is this is what happens when it's so, like, when you're doing stuff so quickly, right? right. Um, so, so I'm I'm like, well, I know there's been FDA recalls. I know it because we talked about it in the last episode about enoki mushrooms. So let me go to the FDA website and see if there have been recalls because it hasn't been as simple as this, which is, um, you know, where oh, and I lost the article already, but basically um, that says there are no recalls. <laughs> well, uh, and let's 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 even nuance it further. Right. So you have to have the right denominator. But what you also have to realize is, well, a couple of different things. What's the size of the recall? Yep. yep. Right. And then also, what's the nature of the recall? And and there's a lot of recalls for misbranding and for allergens. And and that might be explained by the 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 one quote about what they're doing is they're 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 relaxing labeling standards. Right. Now, again, I don't know exactly what that means. Right. And right. then and again, what's the what's the actual impact? Right. Because some of these recalls from March 2019, they're like 200 pounds. Right. And so so 200 pounds of of uh, uh, fully cooked diced chicken uh, recalled due to misbranding and undeclared allergens, 200 pounds. That's like, yeah, that, that's a thing that, that didn't, that happened, but it's not, it's not like a massive food. I mean, again, just because something was recalled doesn't mean it was a massive food safety problem. Right. Uh, so you have to consider what's the nature of the recall. You have to consider the amount, um, et cetera. Yeah. And, and it's, and who's doing the recall matters too, right? Like in this, like, so one of the things that I, that I try to point out was like, so USDA, 
um, I don't know what the exact like consumption rate would be, but they regulate meat, poultry, and some egg products and catfish. And everything else uh, is FDA. And so there's just more types of foods. I don't know if that, I mean, I guess historically we could go back and look at this and maybe someone's already done this. Um, but looking at number of recalls, comparing those two agencies, um, what what the you know, uh, buckets of types of products and, and you, exactly what you said, just you know, the, how, what was it recalled for and, and the types. And But, but FDA, which... Um, four weeks ago, I guess, said, hey, we're going to stop doing um, anything that's outside of the country from uh, an inspection side of, you know, standpoint, and we're going to reduce the routine stuff that's happening inside the country. They are still having lots of recalls. And I don't think that there's, you know, if I go back to the start of February, um, which is the time frame that we got asked about, there's 40 or so, yeah, I guess, I mean, right on 40 food-related recalls on FDA's website. Um, and and I, to me, it doesn't look like there's any, you know, blip um, on that, that there's there's anything right. sort of different, right? And it's and it's right. like stuff, you know, cooked butterfly tail on white leg shrimp um, that might have some Vibrio. That's bad. Um, right. Red clover, sprouts, um, uh, sprout salad, mixed green spring salad, uh, presence of E. coli 0103. Um, so, or one, yeah, oh, I, let me get my, uh, antigens. Oh, one, zero, three, um, <laughs> frozen blackberries, norovirus. So like, so the, there's some, some stuff that's, it, it hasn't, it hasn't paused, but that's the agency that has less routine stuff going on. Um, and, and the, and USDA is not, you know, we still have inspectors that are at every, um, every site and that's not always what triggers a recall, but, but they haven't reduced their their focus on food safety as an agency. So yeah, it's a weird, it's, it's a weird one. I don't, I mean, I don't think we can, we can explain it right, right now. Um, but I, you know, I, I, my, my initial thought yesterday was like, no, you're asking a question and the answer's out there and it's not, this isn't something that's real, but we're digging for it. And then the more you and I sort of went back and forth and I looked at that completed recall list and I was like, oh, wait a second, maybe there is something here. I don't know, but like, I don't know how to, how to, how to explain it, but there is, um, there's a there's a weird gap here um and yeah well and then the other thing is we have to think like okay so yes things the food supply is being disrupted but guess what a lot of things are being disrupted and again it could yep. be and again i'm not i'm not apologizing for the agency i'm not making excuses for the agency but it could be something as simple as the person whose job it is to put this information on the website like they're sick or someone in their family is sick and and no, but and it just hasn't been a priority for the agency to fix that, right? Yeah. Like I don't know, I don't know. Like how does this list get generated, right? Like what's the process by which? It, I don't know. The question is, I I don't know how that gets done. So so let's yeah, I mean let's be let's be vigilant and let's ask the question, but let's also not. I'm, I'm try I try I'm try I try really hard with all of the work that I do with this. Is and we talked about this. I think on our first uh, our first COVID nineteen podcast, like we don't want to overreact, but we don't want to underreact, right? And to and to scream, oh my God, the food supply is failing, um, is probably not a helpful statement, right? Um, yep. But to say, hey, look, this thing is anomalous, and we should investigate that and find out what's going on there, right? Yeah, and that's like the, I, I'm glad you you bring that up because that's I think a part of the the message that I've 
I've, I've been relaying to people when they ask us about, you know, the safety of food and takeout food in grocery stores. It, and, and so, you know, I, I often lead with the, with the statement of we, you know, we don't have any evidence, you know, it's sort of echoing the, the uh, CDC and FDA message of we don't have any evidence of food being um, this, this risk factor, this transmission vehicle that's actually leading to people sick, but it, getting sick. But that's not, it, it's not, that's just the full stop. It's, it's that we, there's a whole bunch of epidemiology that we're looking at. And, and literally every day that someone's releasing something about COVID-19, the first thing I'm doing is looking for high, like I do a, a full text search for food, meals, restaurants. Like I, I want to, I, 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 I want to be finding that, you know, I, I want to be looking for it and hoping for the, that, you know, that it's, that it's not there. Right. But I, but I don't want to sort of turn off that, you know, this isn't a possibility and it's something that, you know, everybody go away. It's not a food thing. It's, we, we do have to remain to be vigilant to making sure that as new information comes out, we are applying the same type of, um, scrutinous eye that we had at the start of, is there, is food involved? And it's, and I think it's the exact same thing as what you're, what, what you're alluding to here. It's, you know, my, my initial response was, no, this is, this is not something that's real. And then I, you know, as I, as we started going back and forth and looking at this and I was like, no, well, this is worth, we should be looking at this. We should, we, we should absolutely, when something like this comes up, we need to not just say it's not a problem, but also dig to make sure that it's not a problem. And that's, that, that is the, you know, it's, it's, it's the same all throughout this entire, uh, this, this entire outbreak. And, and that's a, that, you know, I don't know. Well, that's all. Yeah, no, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, well, and I'm really glad that you're doing that because I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not. Um, <laughs> what I what I did was I said, oh man, it looks like there's this uh, this is the preprint server, SARS-CoV-2 preprint server. I should really figure that out, and I should look at that. And it's like, oh, it's going to be really hard to search. And you know, actually, they have an RSS feed, so I'll go get myself an RSS reader, which I did. <laughs> um, and then and then I never look at it because it's not part of my workflow. Um, and I also need to look uh, figure out like, okay, what I really want is I really want an email. I want an email that shows up every day um, that says, hey, uh, we checked uh, and and you're all clear. No articles on food and COVID-19 that you need to read today. And then if it does, it just, okay, here, here are things you need to read today. Um, and, I, and I'm just not that, I'm just not that organized, but I guess I've got you. Yeah. yeah. And I'll text you if it, if it comes up, that's all I need. Yeah. Um, and I haven't seen anything yet. And uh, the, you know, the, when, when we do get those emails from MMWR, um, which are almost oh, I, daily now. I, I, I absolutely sit down and I devour those because I mean, even if it's not food related, I want to know like what they're publishing. Right. 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 Yeah. It's uh, it, that part is really um, like that. That's going to lead to the public discussion quicker than anything else. Right. Um, yeah. So so anyway, that that kind of stuff's going on. I, that was the like I, I, that. That's the. I don't know. I think that that's the the COVID nineteen food safety uh, thoughts of the day, right? Like these are the questions that that we're getting. I think the other thing that that we can share with folks is that um, one of the the big areas that um, that the industry is uh, the industry quote. Um, I, th I think restaurants and grocery stores what they're really looking uh, for. Um, discussion on is to try and figure out what the in what things are going to look like eventually, and what things are going to be different um, about 
um, you know, reopening dining rooms and and cohorting uh, staff. And are we going to need like if if a uh, you know I got I got a great question this morning that I don't have a great answer to. Um, and I'll let me let me paraphrase it and not out the the person who asked, but um, basically saying um, we have the ability to get antibody test kits for our company, um, for our quick serve company, should we get them and, and how would we use them? And what would that do for us in two or three months as we, as we open things back up? Um, and, and those are the, like, I think the real types of things that people are, um, are, are starting to focus on. Um, and it's, it, it's not a, I mean, the, the the economy is not getting opened back up by the president, um, but but eventually, um, as public health officials um, look at illnesses and and daily death rates, um, things will get relaxed, and the the restaurant and grocery store industry and food manufacturing industry industry wants to be prepared for that. And what do we do? And how do we how are we going to manage this with with more cons- more patrons and um, and so things that I'm thinking about. Um, just like you know, initially is I you know I, I wonder if really we need to have menus anymore. Um, like like wouldn't it be a better situation for you to order off your phone um, as opposed to me handing you a menu that I now have to manage and and try to figure out as a high touch surface. I wonder in the short term on whether we have salt and pepper shakers on tables or if we go to a one use only um, salt and pepper. Uh, I wonder how we handle common condiments. I, you know, I, I was asked five or six weeks ago from uh, event planners. I did a webinar for, um, for sort of the uh, trade industry of like people that work with banquet halls and, and large hotels. And they're like, are we going to see the end of buffet lines at, at conferences? And I'm like, maybe, maybe for the next, couple of years. Uh, so, so I think, you know, we're, we're having discussions like that. I, I don't like, you know, like I said, I don't have any answers, but those are the things that are coming to mind. And, and I, I doubt that, um, I don't think that our federal regulators or local health regulators want to get into a situation where they're really prescriptive about that. I think they, they want, this is my, my, my thought just based on how they manage food safety in, in general. I think they want to say, Hey, as an industry, you guys need to figure this out. Um, what are the ways that you're going to protect your, your patrons? We're not going to tell you don't have ketchup on, on tables, but if you have ketchup on tables, that's a risk, figure it out. Um, right. And, and then, and then I think, cause again, this, and people, people that don't understand our world kind of the way we do sometimes see that as a cop out, like, oh, you're letting the industry regulate themselves. It's like, well, no, like let's, let's let the industry figure out what's workable because they know way better what's workable than what a regulator does. But then we got really smart regulators that are going to look at what the industry is proposing and they're going to critique it. Right. And, and they're, and they, they're, they got pretty good BS detectors, right. To be able to say, oh, well, that just sounds to me like you're, you're not really dealing with that problem. So, and again, part of it is like, well, again, most people in the food industry are good actors. They don't want to make their customers sick. They don't want to make their employees sick. Right. Um, so yeah, so let's so let's uh, let, let's let's let them tell us what they think is right, and then again, then they're going to engage, you know, academic experts and, and, and others as well, so that we're all sort of more or less all working in the same direction. So yeah, yeah. hey, so I did I did want to um, 
share one thing with you, which I, which I did via text message. So my, my system of not doing anything except setting up a feed, feed leader, feed reader for the, uh, the, the med RX, uh, uh, IV print preprint server did, uh, yield some hits on food. And so I, I just, uh, texted you a link to this one preprint, uh, called, uh, the article is entitled indoor transmission of SARS CoV-2. Um, uh, and basically it says, um, that they, uh, they looked at case reports from local municipal health commissions of 320 prefectural cities, municipalities in China, uh, not included, including Hubei province from uh, 4 Jan to 11 Feb, uh, and identified all outbreaks involving three or more cases and reviewed the major characteristics, um, and then uh, looked at like what the you know what the, what the transmission was. And so I haven't read this yet, and neither of you, but I just I just thought it was interesting that my my half-assed approach uh, did yield something once you reminded me that I had half asked my approach. So, so yes. And this is one that, um, I did read. You did, you I did. did see already. Cool. Right. Right. And so it, it does say, but it's, um, as, as you, when you, when you go in and look at the paper, it's food venues. So right. it's right. Yeah. So, and of course, of course, and we know this already. We have, there's right. a, I meaning to write a tweet there thread about asymptomatic transmission. There's an excellent example of uh, transmission in a food venue, in a restaurant where people sat next to each other at tables in a restaurant in the airflow pattern of the air conditioner. And lo and behold, uh, there was, uh, pre-symptomatic transmission, right? Yep, yep, so exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's, you know, that, that's one of the things oh, and you know, I, I feel like uh, over the hundreds of interviews that you and I have done, we're, we're probably referencing this sort of over and over again, where people are asking about, well, what, what can I do to protect myself at the grocery store? And I, you know, and because the, I, what, how are the, how is the food going to make me sick and what do I need to do with produce? And we're, we ultimately come back to, it's not the food, it's the people at the food venue. It just happens to be that that's the essential place that we all need to go because we got to get food. Um, exactly. It's yeah. a restaurant, it's a grocery store, what have you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. One, one thing. So, so I did, I, I went through, uh, I, I did a drive through takeout yesterday, um, at a quick serve, uh, restaurant. And there's a lot of masks in the in the drive-through uh, mm-hmm. area, um, and there's a lot of people uh, wearing masks wrong. Um, and so, oh, I wanna... really? Oh, tell me more about how to wear my mask wrong. Yeah, so wear your mask wrong, like a, like it's uh, catching uh, your beard hairs, and have your nose and maybe your upper lip over top of your mask, and your mask is just down over your chin. It's a chin mask. Huh. Uh, well, I have seen I have seen a lot of people in my neighborhood um, wearing their masks on their foreheads, but these are guys that and they're all guys. They're all guys. They're going to work. They're in their car, right? And so they're wearing it on their forehead. Now, obviously, they're going to later get out and do what the manual labor that they do, um, which is what most of the guys in my neighborhood do. Um, and they'll probably put it down over their face, and that's probably okay, um, assuming that they're you know because like, otherwise, I guess they're inoculating their hair. I mean, right? You know, yeah. And a lot of and again, I'm I'm, I'm I haven't uh, there. Don't they? Those all seem to be quasi-medical-looking masks, right? Like disposable-looking masks, um, not not reusable ones. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. And, yeah, yeah, but uh, but people, if we're gonna wear, wear masks, let's cover our noses, please. <laughs> like that. That would be part of the thing that you need to cover. It's a face. It's a cloth face covering. It's not a cloth mouth cloth mouth covering. Wait, uh, throat, 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 mouth mouth. I don't know. A cloth chin covering. Oh, yeah. speaking of speaking of masks, um, I have to say, Ben, um, I think um, I think I've got um, I've kind of like I, I'm I'm uh, how do you say it in the south? I'm sweet on I'm 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 sweet on the mask girl on your on your um, <laughs> on, on your fact sheets. 
That's she's, your that's your jam. Really cute. I like her. Do you, you you should ask her to the ask her to the Sadie Hawkins dance. Is that a th- is that a thing? Does that did I do that right? I think that's a southern thing. I think you did that right. Yeah. Good job. Maybe you had uh, maybe you know her from uh, Cotillion or uh, the debutante ball. Uh, all... I think probably 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 I know her from her her Quinceanero. Um, <laughs> although you know I, that not like well, I was young at the time too. <laughs> oh yep yep. So uh, thanks to Mary Avalak for um, making uh, amazing uh, mask illustrations. We're we're doing more stuff every day and updating things um, on our uh, COVID nineteen food safety resource website. Um, just as an, as an update on that, because we haven't talked about this for a couple of weeks, but we now have. Um, uh, public health uh, departments or um, university extension folks in 46 states using it, um, wow. co-branding it. Yeah. That's so, it, it, and, and so we kind of created this situation where if someone wants to use it, we're happy to co-brand and we can add logos on and, you know, give us your, give us your logos and we can, uh, we can fix <laughs> them. Your- Give us your Give us your effing logos. Uh, we'll give we'll give you our effing logos. Um, uh, and so so anyway, there, uh, as of this is a week ago now, we had created our five hundredth co branded um, nice. pro, you know property. So it's it's pretty cool to be to be part of that. And and really like thanks to to you, thanks to uh, Linda Harris, Michelle Daniluk, and Leanne Jacobs. Um, and and also um, we're working on stuff that's coming through University of Georgia from Manpreet Singh and um, Laurel done just on developing stuff that we're, um, you know, putting into the, into our format and going through peer review and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's been a real big, um, effort all around. And, um, but it's a lot of, you know, it's, it, it's uh, so many actors on this have lots of work. Uh, so it's, it's cool to be, to be able to facilitate some of that. Yeah. And it's, and I, and I really appreciate your, your leadership and kind of jumping out in front and saying, Hey, we're doing this. Come on, everybody. Let's, let's, let's put on a show, right? Let's, let's, let's go, yeah. let's do this thing. And, uh, and that's what it, that's what it takes. So it's been, it's been really fun to, um, to be involved with that. Yeah. And so we, we added, uh, late last week, some stuff on masks. Um, we're going through every time FDA and, 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 uh, CDC sort of update their guidance. We go back and update, um, our documents they are li- living and breathing. And so one of the things that, that we're doing today is revisiting this, um, you know, a delicate situation of screening individuals for fever when they come to work as an essential employee. Um, and, and so I've been getting questions from, um, from folks in, uh, in public health about this on just different ways. And it's like, you know, CDC says, and I'll, you know, I'll quote from them, to ensure continuity of operations and essential functions, CDC advises that critical infrastructure workers may be per- permitted to continue work following potential exposure, um, provided they remain asymptomatic and additional precautions are implemented to protect them in the community. And those additional precautions include uh, screening them for, for fever. And if someone has a fever, now they become symptomatic. One of the delicate parts of this is, if I screen for someone at my restaurant for the fever with for the fever uh, for for Dr. Johnny fever, um, if I screen with with a thermometer, um, I'm not a healthcare provider. And really, what I can say is, oh, you have an elevated temperature. Now you need to go to the doctor to confirm whether you have a symptom. And, and right, and and that and that's then that's interesting. And I think it's good that you net it out in that particular way because for a while we were just saying don't do it. Right. But if you do it and say, look. 
from our crude non-medical procedures, it does appear you have an elevated temperature. And so please go do get checked out. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I'm not the doctor, you know, the manager of the, of the restaurant or the grocery store is not the doctor, but, but this, we've got an indication that you need to go do something else here. Like not, not, you need to, I'm not going to tell you, you need to be excluded because I can't confirm you have a symptom, but you're going to need to talk to someone who can assess whether you have a symptom. Um, right. on this. And then, then we'll go, go from there. And, and so, so in certain situations, I know that there are like, and this, this is the, I think the hard part, I, you know, it, it we get into trouble if we say, if the, if you find that these people have symptoms, you should exclude them from work because now we're into like HIPAA protected and labor law issues that, that it's like, no, 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 we need, we actually need a healthcare provider to, 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 to help us make that decision. If a, if a restaurant wants to do it, they are in, you know, in certain States, I think, you know, North Carolina being one of them, I think absolutely they would be able to do that and exclude somebody um, from, from working based on sort of crude medical detection. But in other States, I think that, that, in, that employees are protected from that and they can't. So it's really hard to make this like widespread recommendation across the U S which is where we're trying to come at it with our materials. We don't want to make, you know, 46 different, um, info sheets, um, with different messages. So, so yeah, anyway, we're, we're updating that on, on screening. Um, we've been, we've been doing some screening, um, you and I, uh, and, uh, and, and friends that we have, and, uh, I don't have a, um, ear thermometer. I only have a meat thermometer and I've been using that, which gives us a very, um, maybe not, uh, precise and accurate, uh, results. Well, speak, speaking of um, doing our, our home monitoring, um, while you were talking, um, I actually was conducting an experiment to see if I could um, uh, step away from my microphone but keep my headphones on and go from my home office, which is adjacent to my bathroom, into my bathroom, open the medicine cabinet, um, and find the thermometer so that I could give you my temperature reading. Wow. Um, but but the thermometer is not in the medicine cabinet, and so um, so so I was unsuccessful. Gibbs has a thermometer, but I did I did manage to pay attention to your entire conversation um, uh, that you where you were talking and and not uh, pull the microphone off my desk or uh, or or the the headphones off my head. Excellent. I, I I noticed that you were you were quiet uh, vocally, but but shuffling a little bit. So I was like, I'm going to keep this going. I'm going to be a professional podcaster, and I can tell <laughs> that Don is not in a place where he's going to be able to talk right here. Now, I, so. Here, I thought I was being. Uh, I guess I should have muted myself. But then, but then, I, I if you if you suddenly had had tossed to me, I, I couldn't shout from across the room into the microphone. Hey, give me a minute. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Oh man. Hey, so I got a we got a good question on this one. Um, uh, right now, and I don't know uh, the real time follow up from uh, a friend friend of the show who I won't out, uh, but says just got a call yesterday. Meat and poultry processors are trying to ozone during downtimes for COVID nineteen to prevent any aerosolized particles. Um, wh- what are your thoughts? And should we make a, pa- a one page extension article on this? I don't know. I don't know. This is going to take some digging. Don, what do you think about ozone? It's not. I don't think it's on the uh, disinfectant list. You know that's a that's a really good question. Are, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Is, yeah. is you in the back? Uh, you know, the, the 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 mute button, Ben. I, it's not intuitive. It's not the Skype mute button, and I click on it a couple times, and then I forget. So right now it's white, and if I hover over it, it says mute. And so I guess that means that if I 
Oh, I can't hear you can't now. Hear me, but now, now, yeah. So it's it's I just it just does not seem intuitive to me, Ben. Um, so ozone, ozone works. I mean, I think ozone is good. You have to be careful because it is also toxic. Um, but I just I don't know. The problem is I don't know what you need, right? I mean, right. what you really need is you really need to uh, not have sick workers, and you need to those workers to have respiratory. Pre- protection, right? And, and theoretically, you know, that's, and, 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 you know, mostly that's what you need. Right. Um, right. And we don't have the respiratory protection to do that. So that's, but I mean, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, ozone is good, but is that if I have sick workers in my plant or in my facility, and then they get each other infected during the day, and then we go home at the end of the day and we ozone everything. Well, that's a feel good thing, but, but the transmission already took place, right? Right. So it really, what we need are effective ways to stop person to person transmission when people are in a close association with each other. And, and we just don't, well, we kind of know how to do that, right? We could do that with sort of like, you know, medical grade gowning and protection and, and, and things like that. The problem with that is that all of those resources really need to go to people at the medical facilities, right? Yep. And so, yeah, so it's it's a it's a supply and demand infrastructure question. And it's also a science question, right? Because so what would be the best ways to stop person to person spread? Well, it's probably not ozone at the end of the shift. Right, right, um, right. I'm and not really sure it's going to have much of an effect. Yeah, exactly. And what is it? Yeah, what? Oh, yeah, this. All right. It's a good. It's these are good questions. We're right. we're, we're going to tackle this one. Uh, okay, go for it. Yeah. Well, we're going to, I mean, we're, you're going to get to, you're going to get to see some of this cause you're in the, you're in the group. Um, uh, so there's a couple, so when we talked about a couple things that I put into the, um, in, into the thing, um, one thing, so do you want to talk about some other food safety things? Yeah, I'll, I'll talk. I'm, I'm, I'm here, man. Whatever you want to talk Wait, about. So this is, goes back to the start of March. So we're like six weeks ago. Um, but, and so we did this a little bit in the last episode where we talked a lot about COVID-19 and we pivot to some food safety things, but here's, here's an outbreak, um, that, uh, happened in um, Aberdeen, Washington. Uh, and, uh, this was on the, uh, on the food safety news. Uh, Dan Flynn wrote it. Chicken liver moose is likely the source of Campylobacter outbreak that closes restaurant. Um, so I'll read from this people who dined between February 13th and 21st at, uh, red diva. Uh, Red DeViva restaurant in Aber- downtown Aberdeen are among 19 Grays Harbor residents who have since po- test positive for Campylobacter jejuni. Uh, the Red DeViva um, has been closed since uh, February 26. Uh, they found the environmental health inspection. This is a great one. Found more than 75 quote red point violations, which were immediate threat to public health. So I would say that that's uh, not great uh, in a post outbreak in investigation. Um, and, uh, so if we, as we go, um, uh, down, what caught my eyes on this were a few things. Um, Aberdeen was a place that when you and I were in Seattle, uh, last summer, I wanted to go to because it is known as the, uh, b- birthplace of grunge. It is, uh, the hometown of Nirvana's Kurt Cobain and Chris Novoselic. Uh, and I didn't go because it was like three hours away. Uh, <laughs> and I thought everything in Washington state would be closer than that. Uh, but, uh, but as one of those as- big square States in the West. Everything's far away. Everything's far away. Uh, um, and if people are not around each other, there should be less uh, COVID-19, right? Um, 
Uh, so anyway, um, but what, what there, you know, so obviously I'm, I'm interested because, uh, cause Nirvana, but, um, but I'm also interested cause I've, I think I've talked to you a little bit about chicken liver, campylobacter, salmonella, moose stuff. And we, um, I'm part of, uh, a, a group, um, including, and we haven't mentioned them in a while, but you know, who's coming, John or Don, uh, John, John Lachansky and Anna Portafette. Um, uh, thank you. I don't have my, uh, I don't have my bell here at home, but, uh, John and Anna and I, uh, with some colleagues from Johnson and Wales, um, uh, Ted McCall, um, and, um, Bridget, uh, Bridget, Bridget, Bridget. I can't remember Bridget's last name right now. Cause I'm on the spot. Um, Bridget Sweet, uh, we've been talking about force meats and chicken liver, and we have a symposium that, or roundtable actually, that was accepted for IAFP if IAFP happens um, on this. And this is an area that I have like tons and tons of interest in because um, it, it's it, it kind of maps exactly the world that I like and that's messy, which is. Chicken liver mousse, chicken liver pate, force meats. Have you are you familiar with the term force meats? Am I just saying something that you've never I, heard of? Because I hadn't I am, heard about no, this. I I am familiar with it, and and it's 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 kind of gross. Yeah, it's not a food that I like, uh, but people like it, um, and. Uh, like in the UK and in the US, we have this like massive spike in Campylobacter outbreaks that are almost all linked to chicken liver products, and um, and so we what we're trying to do is sort of um, put together a group of people that are interested in this, and and my my interest lies in this culinary decision making on how do people make it, and largely this is one of the types of products where they they often just sear the livers before they then make it into a pate or make it into a mousse, not getting to um, like a, a, a hot enough temperature to really um, make any sort of risk reduction in campier or salmonella. Um, and so we're trying to like work across like the culinary world, the validated cooking instruction world, what people are actually doing world to understand this more, to see if you can, if we can come up with a better way for people to make chicken liver pate that has the palatability of what a chef's looking for, but also risk reduction. And so this is one that's, see, that's interesting. It seems to me sous vide is the way to go. Well, right? it's, it seems like it is, but I don't think we have any good tests on this. So yeah, I mean, ultimately, and, and I'll, we'll link to a couple of papers um, on this where um, Anna and John actually published some work in Bain Marie, um, you know, looking at time temperature combinations. But it seems like sous vide is the right way to go. I don't think we have any. We we haven't got it to a point where we've gone to like thirty chefs and said, okay, can you make this using sous vide, and do you get the consistency and the color and and the texture that you're looking for? It seems like that's the right way to go, but I don't. But we don't have any good like, yeah, this is the way you should do it yet. So so anyway, that that one it was in there, and I was like, hey, I want to talk about chicken livers. Um, uh, hey, so so yep. just to briefly segue um, uh, uh, from uh, 
the uh, West Coast to the East Coast and and to to, to dead rock and rollers. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, um, but uh, I did just want to mention. Um, speaking of people that have, it's not it's not even it's not funny. Uh, people that have died from uh, COVID nineteen. Adam Schlesinger, uh, yeah. who's a, one of the co founders of Found Wayne, um, has died. And this is not new news. This is two weeks old now. Um, uh, April first um, from from coronavirus. So it's uh, it's it's sad. Uh, really uh, really like those guys. Um, great, great band. So, yeah, just wanted to mention it. On the I saw no, and I saw that, and I thought of you because um, I know you've mentioned um, sort of multiple times of that's that's one of those um, bands that that you're really connected with, and I know um, Caitlin Casuli who listens to the podcast, who we both know really yep. really well. She yep. also um, is a big Fountains of Wayne fan, and I hadn't, um, you know, the um, Adam's uh, passing came up on on Dubai Friday, and um, we uh, I had heard Merlin and and Max kind of talk a little bit about it as well, and and so it, it's it's a band that I'm um, you know familiar with, but never really got got that into. But I but it it you know I'm we're not the first folks to mention this but but over the next year i think we're so many things that so many people that that we are um admire or see um that that uh you know have led to art that we really like uh will be affected by this and and that's the you know we, we haven't even really begun to see those those impacts yet um and you know john prine um uh, another mm. individual who who Doug in, Doug Powell introduced me to uh, back about twenty years ago, and um, someone who you know there's you know a handful of John Prine songs that that are in rotation at our house. Um, not you know uh, again someone who I'm, I'm familiar with, but but also like oh man that this is just it just sucks right like for for. Um, uh, you know, uh, art and uh, innovation and, and just how this, how this outbreak is really going to continue to impact us. And, and I, you know, I don't think we've felt it yet in the, in the food safety world, but, but I'm sure we're, you know, it's terrible to think about, but I'm sure like we're going to find out at, at IAFP in 2021 that, that a, a handful of colleagues passed away or, or their family members did, uh, from this. Like it's, this is a big, it's a big deal. It's, 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 uh, it's just, you know, terrible and tragic. So, yeah. <sighs> what else? What else you want to? What else you want to talk about? Where, <laughs> where do we go after that? Something light. Something fun. Yeah. Oh, speaking of speaking of light. So we we do watch these horrible um, um, shows about people uh, getting killed, but we always need like a palate cleanser at the end of the night. And so when we finish Perfect Strangers, ah. um, so we we've now started watching the original Bob Newhart show. So I just want to give uh, you know if if you have not checked it out and you're looking for something that's kind of fun and silly in 1970s, uh, the original uh, Bob Newhart show with uh, Suzanne Pleshette. And this is not this is the Bob Newhart show, not Newhart. Is that correct? Not Newhart, which was his second show. Okay, right. got it, got it. And that's so. So, so I grew up in the Newhart uh, era, uh, which was not a show that like I I remember watching it in, in syndication, um, and it was uh, about a guy who ran a, um, a, I think a hotel, yeah. yeah, in Vermont or something, right? Vermont. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So no. So the Bob Newhart show. Bob is a um, psychologist um, in Chicago, and uh, yeah, and it's. Uh, he and he has a, a lovely wife that's far too good for him. He has a zany receptionist. Uh, they have the crazy neighbor, and then his work work neighbor who is an orthodontist. And uh, it's just it's 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 fun. I mean, it's nice. just it's just fun, silly show. Um, yeah, with and and of course, the, you know, Bob Newhart's um, major comedic 
shtick is he's he's you know the he's the one end of the phone conversation and all, right. all you hear is him um and, and and you imagine the other part of the conversation and he's just got some real good and actually there's a i think we talked to be talking about this on a recent episode of this show because there's also um yeah there's a very famous um uh, we will link to it a uh, very famous um bit that he does uh with uh a which features a abraham lincoln um yeah a abe lincoln um I think yeah, we did. Lincoln phone phone gag, yeah. So, anyway, so very very funny bit um, <clears throat> that that Bob Newhart does with it, sort of how he made his bones in in comedy. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll link to that. Nice. Well, and he apparently, uh, as I Google this, he recorded a COVID nineteen PSA for WGN Radio. So I wonder if that is a one ended uh, conversation uh, as well, doing his shtick, or maybe it's just not. Maybe it's just him being like uh, a nice nice guy. Um, uh, so, okay. I'll, I'll leave on a light thing. So, um, as well. Uh, so I've also, we've been watching, um, uh, well, I've been rewatching, uh, 30 rock, which I love and every, and so my, my little like joke to myself, um, around 30 rock and what we've been doing in COVID-19 times is I've been doing these, like, ask me anything's on Twitter, um, every once in a while when I'm bored. And so I'm doing another one this, this Friday. And it's not that I'm bored. It's just like, I kind of like this, you know, this world of, of like people just throwing random questions at me and some of them are food safety and some of them aren't. Um, but my, my shtick has been to just respond with, uh, 30 rock, uh, gifts for almost every, and there is almost a gift for everything. People ask about cheese. There's a cheese gift. So when I ask about ham, there's a ham, there's a ham gift. Uh, but yeah, so I've been, I've been doing a few of those things. Um, but I would, I'm going to suggest to you, Don, uh, as a little mm -hmm. bit of homework, um, to, to watch this Saturday night live episode from last Saturday. If you have, it's, I'm sure it's on the, on the internet, uh, somewhere like NBC.com or something. Um, because the, the show, uh, was done all sort of remotely. The cast members shot all their portions at home and there's some zoom stuff in there. It's really funny, but th this was another situation where Danny and I watched it and we're like, you know, there's, you know, there's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff, but we were in awe of the creativity and the logistics of making an entire hour and a half show um, on iPhones in people's homes and having cast members interact with each other and, and write. And it's just like, it, it's, it's one of those episodes that I think I'll revisit when I think about COVID-19 as like, how weird was that? And wow, I can't like, I actually can't believe that, that someone pulled it off. We, we have not been watching, um, John Oliver or Jimmy Fallon. We usually watch those, those shows as like, you know, um, uh, uh, usually segments of them and without the, the, um, the audience aspect, it's, it's, there's something weird about them. Like it just doesn't connect very well, but the Saturday night live was like, Whoa, I can't like, it, it's just a great, um, I, I don't know, great, great piece of, uh, co you know, TV art, uh, and logistics. It was really, really cool. Cool. Yeah. So we and we have been watching some John Oliver and the other thing I'll I'll share too, which is a lot of fun. We've been a big fan of the uh, the show Doc Martin, um, uh, which which features um, Martin. Uh, well, the character is Martin Ellingham. The the, the actor is Martin Clunes, um, playing a, a kind of an uh, uptight, weird, uh, socially distant uh, doctor in this mythical town of Port Wen, uh, which is in the southwest part of England. Uh, and it's they just did a little uh, PS. Say, which they all obviously shot um, in their in their own homes um, with with iPhones and whatnot, and and it's it's we'll link to that in the show notes as well, and it's it's a lot, it's a lot of fun.
Cool, cool, cool. Awesome. Well, uh, anything else in the list you want to talk about, or is that uh, is that a show? I I haven't even looked at the list, so uh... <laughs> I think we like nailed the list. I mean, I think we we pretty much talked about everything. Um, uh, COVID nineteen and and the food safety stuff. Um, I added a couple things in today, but uh, but I, they're they're not all that exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I think that's a well, show. Let me, let me see. Oh. Let me let me review my notes. Uh, we talked it. about the wire. We talked about sous vide. We <laughs> mentioned uh, Luchansky and Anna Fett. I think that's a show. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Doc, Mar- Doc Martin came up. Yep, I think we I think we did it. But we've got British British shows, uh, and uh, and that's it. Good job. All right, Don. Um, as as always, I. I, I continue to enjoy to talk to you uh, every every couple of weeks. We're, we're talking more now um, on on other things, but this is um, it's it's always a pleasure to to just you know sit back and, and have our our biweekly conversation and, and just talk about the things that we that we like. And I I I want to share that I miss I like not miss it, but when we're not doing it, I'm like, oh, when am I when am I talking to Don again? When are we gonna do it again? Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. So. Um, so no, thanks. And I'm glad, uh, glad we're all, uh, uh, doing our best to stay healthy and safe and all that good stuff. Um, and, uh, we'll talk, uh, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Sounds good. Bye. So, hey, so what do you think about – so this one's mine, and now that I caught up on the other one, I'll go ahead and, and edit this the, like this morning. What do you think about press and go on the one that you have in drafts like on Friday or something and then this one on Monday? Or do you that wanna... sounds perfect. Okay. No, it's, that sounds fine. So, so Friday. Yep. Yeah. And then, then we're caught up. Then we're, then we're all good. And this one, like there wasn't anything that was super pressing and timely, like, like the last two COVID ones where we needed to get out today. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. And then Monday, Monday I'll be fine. I mean, I don't, I don't think COVID world. I mean, famous, famous last words. COVID world is not going to change between now and Monday. But <laughs> right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um, cool. Okay, so that's yeah. So that means we've got one out on Tuesday, one out on Friday, one out on Monday, and then uh, we'll we'll have like a week or so, and then we'll get back on our normal schedule. Um, so okay, so I have like if I look at two weeks from today, the 29th, I have a. Um, 
like a departmental thing that I got to do from 10 until noon, but I could talk in the afternoon on the 29th or I could, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's not going to work. Cause I've okay. got a webinar, um, at two and then I've got a, a standing meeting on university biosafety, um, um, SARS-CoV-2, um, at four. So that's not going to work. What about the morning of the 28th? Yep, that works. Okay, cool. And I have a hard out at noon. So if we started at nine, that gives us okay. more than enough time. Um, okay. FST 210. Uh, 9 a.m. on April 28th. Perfect. Um, okay. And so so you're you're done. You're caught up to date, and this one's mine. So and yep. then we're and then we're good to go. And I'll I'll schedule the, the other one to go out on Friday. So. Okay, cool. Um, so funny, funny editing, uh, situation. So I edited, um, <laughs> like I had already edited the show and then uh-huh. I, I uploaded, I got all the notes done. Um, I listened to the, like, I listened, I, I, I because I had, um, um, uh, garage band open, I listened mm-hmm. to the raw, like, you know, on, on MP3 file of it. And somehow got confused and uploaded the uh, an old episode initially oh. into no it's it, I fixed it before I hit like upload but but it was like it was weird because I looked at the file size and then I looked at the MP3 because I always put it into um, to iTunes so I can calculate what the time is um, mm-hmm. for, oh, right. for the right so I like I look at my iTunes and I was like you know new episode uh, two oh seven why does it have the same exact time as two Mm five? And then I look like, and so I listened to it and I was like, wait a second, this is the wrong one. So then I re exported it and then uploaded the right one and it all worked out. Um, But it was like for about, about 20 seconds, we were going to have all the right notes, all the right blurb and the wrong file up (laughs) and and it would have gone, you know, out. And then I don't know what happens if you like replace that with people's RSS feeds. Yeah, what what will happen is if they uh, if they refresh their their content, it'll the new one will download because I've had that situation before where where a, you know an audio has been broken and you just have to delete it and then redown okay. redownload it and and, and then the, the fresh one will come in. Okay, good. Well, anyway, it didn't happen, but I I did have that, and then I had the panic of like initially when I started yesterday, I texted you this where I was like, wait a second, where is the audio file? I moved it. What? Oh, oh, oh where, why did I move it? And then I was like, oh, I've already edited it <laughs> um, like two weeks ago. Why didn't I actually complete this and put it up? Um, so anyway, we're all, we're all good there. Um, cool. So, uh, I think that's it. And then, uh, I'll chat with you in like 40 minutes, I guess. Oh yeah. 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 And I've got, um, and so I just saved the show notes and the titles that I captured. Um, and then I've also just started because, because things get, can get messed up. I've just, I've also put a date Thank you. <laughs> and, and the episode number. Um, so yeah. Wonderful. I am, uh, turning my Dropbox back on and it's resyncing show titles right now. And there we go. Perfect. All right. Well, I will, uh, I'll chat with you later. Yeah. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.